scientists believe generally that the conditions in the late Jurassic were worldwide rather unusual. They don't think there was very much circulation in the seas. From time to time, there will have been algal blooms in the surface waters. And the algae creates a huge amount of organic material, which then sinks down in the water column. When you look closely at the Kimbridge Shale, it is often laminated on a millimeter scale. And this shows us that there were no organisms living on the bottom, churning it up. So that shows that conditions were not conducive to life on the bottom. If we look at thin sections of uh, the shales in fluorescent light, then the organic material fluoresces, and mm. we can identify some of the organisms. Here, we have an example of Tasmanites, which is one of the most commonly identifiable algae in the upper Jurassic shales. So what sort of thickness of, of organic shale accumulated in this late Jurassic time? Well, down here we've got one and a half kilometres, mm. 1,500 metres. That's a fantastic amount of algae yes. settling out. Yes, we, it was buried by about 2,000 metres of Cretaceous and then about 2,000 metres of tertiary. When did it start to actually produce hydrocarbons? Well, what I've marked on here is the, the top of what we call the oil window. That's when the temperature's high enough for the organic material to start breaking down. So these huge macromolecules of organic material start to crack, and we get smaller molecules coming off. If we go down to about 4,000 metres, then the temperatures are so high that oil that's produced is not stable anymore. The molecules in the oil be begin to crack down into smaller mm. and smaller molecules okay. because oil is not thermally stable. We and know we that we burn it. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. And we get gas <laughs> coming off instead of oil. Then. Yeah, so eventually we get gas coming off. And here I've marked the interval where oil cracks to gas, and beneath that we just get gas in the sediments. Just what was the likelihood of finding such a mature source rock in the North Sea? Look at the onshore geology of either Scotland or Norway and the prospects of finding any mature source rocks are bleak indeed. The ancient crystalline rocks of both countries are quite unsuitable, either to source oil or to host it. But were the rocks under the North Sea likely to be any different? Of course, the company sent out seismic boats and uh, carried out seismic surveys, admittedly rather primitive ones, right over the whole of the North Sea. In fact, the Brent area was first covered in 1966. And uh, you could see a lot. I mean, you could see that there were thick sedimentary sequences. So the, the fact that you had, if you like, crystalline rocks in Scotland and crystalline rocks in Norway, it was irrelevant. You, you had some sort of a sedimentary basin in between. Here's one of those features on the seismic profile, a series of tilted fault blocks. A Norwegian gentleman, I think, or a Danish gentleman called Haller, produced a, a book on uh, eastern Greenland, and uh, he, um, he published a section which looked remarkably like the, uh, if you like, the structures that we saw, the tilted fault block arrangement that we saw on the seismic. But this was in Greenland. Uh, what made you think it was going on on our side of the Atlantic? Well, this was early days of uh, plate tectonics, continental drift we used to call it, but it got renamed as plate tectonics. 150 million years ago, the geography of northwest Europe was very different from today's. Shallow, subtropical seas covered the area where Brent Field now lies. Conditions in those warm seas were ideal for organisms to flourish and organic material to accumulate. 
In late Jurassic times, there was no Atlantic here, simply an arm of some distant northern ocean extending down between Greenland and Norway. And of course, looking at that and then looking at where the Brent well was going to be drilled, we could see that it was actually quite close to the east coast of Greenland, or would have been at that time. And therefore, it seemed not unreasonable to suppose that since we saw the same tectonic appearance, admittedly an outcrop in Greenland, but buried in, in the Northern North Sea, uh, that we might be looking at the same thing. And in Greenland, it was indeed Jurassic, and uh, with good reservoir rocks, so we just hoped that it would be the same um, where, where we were going to drill. And did you feel excited about that as a prospect? Oh, it was tremendously exciting. Well, I actually went out to the rig, and uh, I was one of four people who extracted the core from the core barrel. Everybody else was ushered away. <laughs> and uh, we, we, the four of us boxed up the core, and we had it almost immediately on a helicopter to the Shetlands and then on a plane the same evening down to London. That borehole established not only that there were mature Jurassic source rocks in the northern North Sea, but also that there were Jurassic sandstones that could hold billions of barrels of oil. Other finds told the same story. The North Sea oil bonanza had begun. <laughs> 